0: What's up guys, welcome to Coupler's Podcast with your host, Matt Trick and myself, Peter Fendura. This is a nursing podcast with current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in, thank you guys for your support, thank you guys for liking and commenting on all our social media. And keep listening, keep in tune, we're bringing up some new stuff for you guys, we're finally rolling up some new content, more content, good content. The best content. And I've seen a lot of content, but I think our content is the best out of all nurses' content.
1: Thank guys. Is, I support that message. How's it going, Matthew? Good, man. I can't believe it's episode 70. I feel like we're running through these episodes, man. Dude, we're running through these episodes like, like the African Sahara runs through the plains. Yeah, man. So it's been, it's been good, guys. Thank you for uh, messing with us. We're Me and Peter are hard at work all week. We got a schedule of everything we have to do for the podcast related. So we're kind of pumped about things that are... Coming along, as we always say, so NCLEX guys, some courses, some merch, some live streaming, some extra like, episodes, extra Patreon. episodes, premium content, like, Twitch. yeah, we're doing a lot of fun stuff, so we're busy. Anyway, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the 10 most common nursing pet peeves me and Peter don't like in our experience, and we're also going to talk about some nursing home fraud that happened in LA, and the company settled the lawsuit for $16.7 million in claims. That's crazy.
0: Like that's so. This was all like their Medicare claims. Yeah. So what what they were doing, to our understanding, is that this company was at Longwood something. Longwood Longwood Beach. Longwood Beach was running the, the scheme where they were charge, they were upcharge their patients, um, additional treatments. So those would be a therapies and medications, things like that, and they would add on these therapies that necessarily would not need to be added on. So, they were to give them extra therapy that they wouldn't really need, or extra medication that they wouldn't really need, yeah. just so they could upcharge it.
1: Yeah, so they're technically stealing money from the government. Long story short, that's what the US Attorney's Office said. Yeah. And, you know, that's crazy. And that's not even private companies. So, imagine what's happening behind closed doors of things like that. And this was 27 nursing homes in LA mm-hmm. that this was uh, claim was going on. That's crazy, because this was not
0: like a one year thing, this was over years. I think they finally finalized this claim. This was from like 2012 to like 2017. So this is like, this is five years worth of stuff. 16.7 million, that's crazy.
1: And sometimes I wonder if everything that they actually order and present, like our patients gain that kind of care because you hear stories all the time. And I actually worked in LA. So Longwood Beach is one of those nursing facilities that we're like, yeah, they're from there. The patients are, they got bad wounds, you know, typical PEC2 feeding tube and uh, sometimes straight patients. Yeah, like- I'm
0: not sure how if you guys are in hospitalized or whatever or how your insur- insurance is, but if you get like a bill directly from like an insurance company because you're not insurance company, but from the hospital or from like the the C team uh, machine place or or any kind of medical bill, usually more of an like, acute setting, you could ask for like an itemized list. So they have to provide to you a list of things that they gave you and used to you and used on you basically. So your medications, like your, like if you needed a bedpan, you know, how many bags of fluid you needed all that. Do you get have that itemized and you could kinda of dispute each item if you if you really need to, you know, if you really, really want to, but you don't really see this often because most people have insurance. So you don't see this this bill. You may see the the bill from your insurance.
1: Yeah, sometimes when I was working as a staff nurse, I didn't too much I didn't do it too much as a travel nurse, but sometimes if the patient or the doctor order like stat labs or something, I'm like, well they don't need to be stat. And sometimes I would just change it to time, you know. Mm. It's, like, it's like the extra step, but actually the patient gets charged less on the bill. If you do, like, stat, there's an upcharge for it. Mm. Even, like, every single finger stick that happens in the hospital, there's a freaking charge for it. Yeah, I rarely order,
0: order them stat. The only time I order stat labs is, like, if it's a cold or there's like, an emergency going on. But then, you know, even if I'm drawing labs, even, even though I need labs now,
1: but I know it's not, like, crucial, I still order as, like, timed. You know? Oh, yeah, especially with like the medical record systems. Like, if you don't, if it's like 12 o'clock and, or it's late in the day and you ordered labs for the morning, they're not gonna populate. And sometimes you just gotta put it timed. Mm. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a little annoying things. I wish they improved, uh, you know, our healthcare system. But, but nurse, there nurse, be got your back. You know, we're not gonna upcharge you if you don't need to, you know? Exactly. With respect. Before we get into the pet peeves, I just wanted to say this is a special episode because Peter's growing out his mustache, and yes. I'm wearing my hair down, so... It's just like day four.
0: I'm talking about... This. I'm not sure... How, I've never tried to grow a mustache before, so we'll see how it goes. In worst case, scenario, I just cut it
1: off, you know? You'd we'll shave it, it yeah. I'm just going to trim it. No, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to see how it naturally grows out. What look inspired you? Was it like that UFC um, announcer um, during Fight Island? The UFC is a 251? Because that guy had a mass, uh, mustache, the commenter. no. Not him. I don't know.
0: I just never tried growing a mustache. Like I tried growing like a little bit of a beard before. I was a fan, so I cut it off. I'm just trying mustache.
1: Yeah. A I feel like I should shave my um, beard one of these days do the mustache. And, just, and just leave a mustache. We'll see, just, man. Yeah. Just see how. If yours look good, if yours looks good, we're uh, doing some kind of photo shoot or something funny that we need to do this. I'll shave and do a mustache for a day, man. Bring the mustache back. And bring the mustache back. Yeah. So pet peeves,
0: guys. There's tons of pet peeves. There's millions of pet peeves that we that we could have named, but we narrowed it down to
1: to ten. So pet peeves, guys, as you know, uh, ten li- uh, the 10 list or common ones that we have. So let's start with the first one. And I feel like because we're in the ICU, we chose this as like number one or something that's like a huge no-no. And that's letting your tubing run dry. And it gets only worse when you're in the ICU. Like when I was in med surgery, I got annoyed because the antibiotic runs dry. Then I have to back prime, use some saline flushes, takes time, sometimes you put the cassette back in, there's an air leak. It beeps again. Patient wakes up. They get annoyed. I'm annoyed, and just don't do it. Simple as that. You're, I'm already annoyed just talking, just he- hearing myself talk. And in the ICU, it gets worse because if you have an intralip presser, it runs dry. Guess what, man? Me, me and you are freaking running to the pyxis and priming your tubing because that patient's blood pressure is going to drop because there is bubbles in the tubing and it's not pushing medication.
0: Yeah. So at least like if you don't have time to hang it, at least have the courtesy to order the medication because sometimes it take a while to come from pharmacy, and at least leave it in the room so I could attach it. But make sure it's not like completely dry. Make sure there's still like some in the chamber because the chamber has like well like ten mLs, and some of these medications only go at like two miles an hour. So, yeah.
1: you know, or even like they even go like twenty mLs an hour. So you think you have half an hour. And you if you and if you're like a new nurse or not even a nurse and was wondering how do you avoid this? Simple. If you have a bag that's two hundred and fifty mLs, you are going to program the pump to run for 225 because I'm going to have – when that pump is beeping, I'm going to know, hey, I'm going to add 25 more. I got 15 minutes to go get a bag or an hour or whatever the rate of the drip is. Exactly. Don't set, don't set the volume on your pump to be equivalent to the
0: volume in the bag. Why? Because like I said, it's going to run dry and it's going to piss people off. And sometimes, dude, like the, th- the issue isn't always like us having to – you know, spike a new bag, or prime a new tubing. Sometimes it's just like, we know it takes long to make a pharmacy. Yep. And it's not necessarily that it takes us long to do it, it just takes us long to get it. And you know, or sometimes even something simple that usually gets done in 15 minutes, guess what? If you have 15 minutes left, and you expect that 15 minutes, and their pharmacy is busy, you know, get the bag for half an hour, or 45 minutes, well, shit happens, so it's, it's gonna be like, on, on that nurse that is stuck with the dry bag.
1: Yeah, and then you're gonna be that nurse on the phone that's freaking screaming where is my tubing, I ordered it 10 minutes ago. Well, it takes time, you know, and that's, that puts stress on the pharmacist, it creates a bad relationship, mm. and both of your days are going kinda shittier.
0: Yeah, so long story short, only that shit dry. Ever, never, or at least leave the bag in a room if you don't wanna hang it. But number two, we have a 10 out of 10 pain scale with a smile. So we all kinda have those patients that, you know, you know they're in pain, you know, at the beginning, and you are like, yeah, pain, pain's like an eight, so you leave them, give them the an and they're chillin'. And you come back to reset their pain. No, pain's fine, it's been an hour. Cool. Norco 10 worked great. And it's there are getting a Q6. You come back and in six hours, they're they're chilling, watching TV, all, all calm, you know, all calm collective, just hanging out. And they're like, hey, what's your pain? 10 out of 10. Yep. Alright, your pain's ten out of ten and you're just you're just chilling, you know? And like, where's your pain? They tell you where, where the pain is and is it worse than before? No, it's not worse than before. Well, it's not worse than before. Last time you gave me an
1: eight, and now it's a ten. Like, you know, it doesn't really, really make sense, but. Or you have patients that tell you it's 10 out of 10, and you go to get some medication, and they're like snoring. Mm-hmm. Jeez, man, the pain must be so bad. It just made you fell asleep, hustler. Yeah, is that some shit? Like,
0: and like, once you say you have, you have pain, like, we can't say, no, we're not going to give you pain medication, you know? Like, yeah. either way, we're required to, to give it to you, you know? Yeah. I could, there's been times where. You know, I've had arguments with patients. Like, no, you're not going to give Norco. Like, they ask for a Norco. I'm like, you don't really need a Norco right now. Like, yeah, I do trust me. I need a I'm like, no, you, you really don't because, like, you're fine. You're hanging out. And they just do wanna just to just so get, like, the high from it. You know, it is a drug. It's, it is an op- opioid. And
1: somebody just want to chill. They can so, chill pretty hard. I mean, definitely, man. And I, you have those patients, too, that like their cocktails, man. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, some of them like their Benadryl 25 milligrams. And they like that first. And then let's chase it down with some Dilaudid. And that's what I need for nap time. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, be real good. you're gonna be sleeping really good. I'm gonna have to be throwing a little bit more couple liters of oxygen on you because you're kind of breathing way too slow.
0: Yeah, but put, turn the apnea alarm off, dude. Cause it's gonna be going off, man. Yeah. I have those patients where, where they're, like, they're, they sleep fine, like one night and uh, next night, you like this apnea alarm keeps going off. And you realize, yesterday I didn't give a but today I gave a orco 10, and this guy's like, respirations are lower, but you know, it's, it's fine. Like they're stable, but. You know, not, I don't think I've ever accidentally overdose my patient. I don't think I have. I know it's people have done it, nurses have done it, and, you know, it's something It'll that, that, happen that, that does event. happen. Yeah. Well, you can't really overdose someone on event because someone's breathing, it's breathing for them. You're you, just going to wean them.
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to see, Peter's being a smart ass in a nurse field here, but you <laughs> technically did snow them, and they're not responding to pain. Yeah, yeah. but that, in the ICU, it's a different ball game. You have to kind of do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Depends on the scenario. We could get into it with like some ICU episode, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once
0: they're in ICU and they're ventilating, it's a day, like, you're, and, you know, they're on these drips, you know, like you do like, like the RAS scale and everything. and You just kind of guess. Yeah, you estimate basically, you yeah. know, because I can't tell anything. you know?
1: It's subjective, you know, mm-hmm. and just like pain, to wrap it up, it's subjective. So no matter what you feel like is wrong with the patient, if the patient says 10 you're going to be pushing that medication, right? It's just part of the game. Yeah. And you don't know, like, it's, the thing is they're, like, sedated, but you don't know how sedated they are, really,
0: you know, until you, like, start weaning them. But, like, they could be sedated enough where you to look at and they're comfortable, but they might not be comfortable. They might be, like, going through pain. Like, the ET2 might hurt. They're just, maybe they have a bunch of ulcers or something that it makes them uncomfortable. So sometimes it's
1: better to do a little bit extra than to not do enough and, like, Somebody that's intubated and stuff, you know? Agreed with you. Mm-hmm. Third one. So you know when you're about to go get your patients and you're about to get a report and the nurse says, I had such a busy shift. I didn't read any notes. Uh-huh. You didn't read any notes. So as soon as you hear that statement, basically, moral of the story is you're going to have to figure out everything on your own. So you're going to get a report from the nurse. She's going to tell you what she knows. And sometimes they know a lot. I'm just like, yeah, you're fine. You're just freaking out. Just breathe, relax, Susie will call her um and it's like and you have that but sometimes really you know they didn't read any notes or you know patient came at 3 p.m but at six o'clock so hey three hours you could have caught up a little bit there's scenarios you know um change of shift you get a patient at fifteen thirty minutes so not yeah. talking shit but what sucks is you're going to just read re read, be reading notes at the beginning of the shift to kind of catch up
0: yeah, the issue is if it's, like, a continuous. Yeah. Like, if it's the same nurse over and over again, hey, I didn't read any notes, this is all I know. Because even if she tells you a lot, not necessarily mean it's right. You know, that's, that's, as soon as the nurse tells you, hey, I didn't have a chance to read all the notes, you kind of got to take her whole report with a grain of salt. You got to double check everything. Because, like, like she said, she hasn't fully, read, fully read, read the notes. So she has exact notes going on with the patient. So it's your job to figure out what's going on with the patient, you know, compared to just getting a report day in, day out on the same patient. It's easier flow, easier to do things like that. But when you have a new patient that comes in, a nurse has to read the notes, doesn't sure what's going on, it's your job to kind of figure it out. Especially if, even if a patient has been there a week, guess what, it's supposed to be the first that, that, that the nurse has a patient. Yep. You kind of got to figure out what it happened from step one, you know, to
1: where they are now. There's no continuous flow there. Yeah, you're doing a scan of the room. You're definitely doing that. And sometimes... You might get a report um, outside of the room, not in the room. It does happen. The culture, right? Let's call it that. And you better go in there and assess your patient, like, to make sure everything's good. Sometimes a patient but wants on a bedpan.
0: Assess them after the report. After. I the hate, patient. that's not that's what we should put that. A nurse that's assessing the patient while you're giving her report. Yeah. That's that's annoying, dude.
1: Yeah, so as you're, as you are you know, getting a report, instead of, like, listening to you, she starts walking around the room or him and starts like looking at things, checking pulses, and then she starts pointing out things that she has questions for. Well, Susan, I'm going to tell you about it, but you're not letting me finish because you're in the room trying to run the show. I'm the, I'm the nurse that had the patient for 12 hours. Let me run the show right now, okay? And that's what I tell nurses when I, when I like get on shift and they're like, where do you want to do a report? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. You're running the show. Like, you had the patient, you let me know what you feel comfortable with. I don't care. Just give me a good report. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's how it is. But, yeah, the whole other thing, there's a nurse that continuously does that. And I'm not going to lie, dude. Like, when I had to get a to her, I don't go in the room. Because I know as soon as I breathe here in the room, she's going to start touching the patient, assessing, like you said, asking questions. Like, hey, let me, let me get to it. It's a head to toe. I'm going to give you, like, a quick rundown, head to toe. Like, you're, you're on the abdomen, I haven't told you about the neuro status yet, yep. you know? And it's just so annoying. Or oh, like, you're giving a report, and she's, the nurse is asking the patient questions, like it's like, then you have two people talking at the same time, so what the yep. hell are you listening to, you know? It's like weird, it's disrespectful as well, like not necessarily assessment, is not really disrespectful, but it's just like waste of time.
1: But if you're asking a patient questions while I'm giving you a report, that's pretty fucking rude, you know? Yeah. And you know what's interesting, when you're a travel nurse, you're getting a report from so many different patients, so many different nurses. Like you start picking up on it really quick about how people are. Or at first, like I was with this one nurse and we were just kind of like clashing, like, you know, me and her are bumping energies. I, and I knew it for a fact when I was getting a report and then she kind of mellowed out because she thought I was like being very aggressive or like, hey, let's do it here. Let's do it that. I just like report in a specific way. Wait, so you, like, report in a specific way? No, meaning, like, she just didn't know what she, like, wanted or where, mm-hmm. like, to go. And then, like, she was just, like, like skipping things. I'm like, well, so, so like... She was just giving a shitty report. Yeah, like, imagine getting a report and you don't know the patient's, um, patients uh, like, what's it called? When they came and what well, what how old they are or code status, they just run into it. I'm, like, let's start from the basics, you know? Yeah, the
0: age, I don't, I don't always say, but, yeah, but I out with with, like... Um, the name, why they're here, and basically what they came in with. So why they think they're here, or like why Denisha came to the ER compared to what actually happened in ER. Like, you no know, came in with chest pain, ended up being a STEMI, like that. You know, and that's like happened on day one. That's so what admitted them. Because a lot of times you ask the patient, "What is he here for?" They don't. They don't know. Yeah, they've been there for 15, 20 days. Yeah, but but you know what he came here for? I think like the first thing you should start with is why is he here in the first place. Yeah, that's how start starting re- report. Yeah, and a good report is I don't got I don't need to know day by day, you know, events. I just need to know. The, the important ones. Like, you know, um, let's say a patient came here with chest pain, you know, on August 4th, started him on, you know, um, the on August 8th, took, off, took him off the butamine, put him on primer core. Now we're gonna plan for primer core, at home primer core. Yep. You know, and then August 11th or August 20th, they're doing an elevator workup. Like, you, know, you don't necessarily gotta tell me, like, if they're on you can just tell me that they were on the depressor before. At some point, you don't gotta tell me the exact date. I don't, I don't really care about that so much, but you know, just tell me that they have been on on NORIP before. So you kind of know, hey, maybe some blood pressure issues, that's what I should monitor mm-hmm. for, you know. Or maybe, hey, yeah, they they just got off cardine two days ago, you know. So let me know that it's like recent. So that I should watch for hypertension or like a rebound hypertension or are they adding new meds. So some kind of background report has to has to be like given, you know. Yep. And even when you get a patient, like a new admission, at least you get something. So at least pass that on. Don't just say you don't
1: know what's going on, you know? I agree with you, man. A lot of passion there, number three, right? Mm-hmm. So number four, having to take manual blood pressures in the ICU and mm-hmm. specifically orthostatic blood pressures. Yeah, dude, orthostatics suck. Like, when we have
0: LVADs, that's kind of a pain in the ass too because you got to take the blood pressure every hour manually. And, you know, that's kind of, a, kind of a hassle compared to somebody that's like would be in his shoes, but let's say, like a telly where they would do every two hours or like a step down where they would do it every two hours because that's total pressure today. I means you got to be there. I know you got to be, you got to do your hourly rounding. You should be in there every hour, but doing these hourly blood pressures is, is kind of annoying sometimes. And they throw orthostatics in there like every, what, four hour they day. They have us do orthostatics sometimes yeah. and it's, that's three blood pressures that you got to take in like a small
1: time frame. Yeah, orthostatics, so you got to take one uh, laying, mm-hmm. one bedside, and then one standing up mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, it's not that it's hard. It's just that it's
0: time-consuming, you know? And especially if you got to do it at night. So if you got to do it at like 8 p.m., not a big deal. But if you got to do it four hours later at 2, just like, dang, yeah, we just got up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And then four hours later again at 6 o'clock in the morning after you just woke up at 2, you know?
1: And I feel like this is very geared towards you. I've, of course, had them. I feel like they're more frequently for you because you are working more specifically with heart patients, you know? Mm -hmm. So number five, tangled courts and lines. Yeah, dude, lines,
0: man. I hate when lines are tangled up. Like that's the first thing I do is I get on shift is just strain out all my cords and lines. I, I label the lines of the medication. And then on a pump, I put a piece of tape and I label where that line's going to. That's the way to do it. So on a pump, I write like, you know, left forearm. And then on the tubing itself, right before it hooks up to the patient, I put like cardine. So that's, that's why I know. And I always try to leave one area to do with it, just like a KVO. So if you have a lot of central lines, let's say you like four central lines, I always try to have one with like a KVO
1: with, it, with it just saline, just in case for emergency. So you you actually write where the IV is coming out on the tubing, you label it Not on the tubing. Like so on the pump. On the pump, okay. I label where that
0: tubing is going. So on that's the pump, cool. I pull a forearm, but on the actual IV tubing, I fold a piece of paper and
1: I pull like cardine on it. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. I label it, I just never put on the pump. Sometimes... Um, hospital policy is interesting And they don't allow you to put it on there oh. it's, it's goofy There's some hospitals like that I'll do it anyways I don't think we're supposed to do it in ours But I still do it I don't even know But I do it It could be a night shift thing too Where hey you do Like sometimes night shift <laughs> That's why I love it Sometimes you could do things And then you just gotta clean it up by 7am And you're good to go yeah. like, Nothing crazy guys Nothing crazy But for example I had a patient that was, um, like, confused, kept getting out of bed. So I just took two blankets, and I put a, a bin in the middle, taped it up, and I used it as a barricade in between the um, the rails just so the patient get, doesn't get out of bed and fall. Yeah. Technically, if a manager walks in, that you can't be doing that kind of stuff. I mean, it's yeah. my own little contraption. Right, like, you can't, like... On day shift, you have
0: to order restraints because you can't right. do that kind of stuff. So it's like either put this guy in restraints which might make him more comfortable or his grandma, yeah. which make it, which are for sure is going to make him more, yeah. less comfortable. Like
1: I, I know Susie's going to get out of bed a few times mm-hmm. and she's not going to be successful. She's going to fall asleep and I'm going to take it off. But in the meantime, yeah. that's how I'm troubleshooting things. I'm go, so I don't got to check up on the patient every five, ten minutes. Instead, so I could be focused on the patient. It's more sick or actually she's just confused. Exactly, yeah. So instead of Susan waking
0: up and seeing her wrist tied down to the bed, all Matt's doing is putting a little barrier between her way to get out of the bed and she doesn't get out of the bed. Yep. Yeah, because imagine if you would wake up and you're confused and you see like you're shackled to the bed with these leather, with these like not leather, but these whatever fabric re- restraints, like that's
1: fucking scary, dude. Like I'd freak out even more. Yep, you know? And, and I have plenty of stories of confused patients. Mm-hmm. But to wrap up the tangled quartz, yeah, like right before your shift ends or whatever the oncoming nurses, like you it should be your priority to find out where your IV is. What well, pump is mm-hmm. running to it. Sometimes I even like to include like gauge needle because this is the ICU. That's what I, that's where I work and just fix it up. Make it look clean, you know, Unti- untangle the patient. I like to always put my heart monitor through that little pocket. I hate when people just let it hang everywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just, it's just like nursing housekeeping, I would call it, you know, just like the firefighters have their own little course of action. Mm-hmm. We have our own course of action too.
0: Yeah, guys, trust on this one, like, you're better off doing this at the beginning of your shift compared to the beginning of, or it's better to do this at the beginning of your shift compared to the last. Yep. Because you never know what might happen. you at least have your cords, lines, you know, neat and not have anybody trip over them or you not know where your access is. Yep. Just do yourself a favor. Just do it. As soon as you get it, get to the patient. As soon as you get a report, walk your happiest ass in there and just label everything and make it
1: tidy. Exactly. Number six, so whining co Nurses and coworkers. So it's like, I understand like some days, some nurses are busier busy than, than others,
0: you know, but the, it's annoying when you have that nurse that is always complaining by you, but doesn't ask for help. Like, I'm, like I would rather have a nurse ask me for help, like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help with that? And let me help to make your day easier and make work pass by quicker for you instead of you just doing everything yourself and then complaining. Yep. And we all have those nurses that they complain no matter what. Like, they're always going gonna, like, gonna to talk some shit about something. Nothing's ever good in their workday, ever. And, and th- those days, you'll be happy when you have a sedated, intubated patient because you could spend time more time with the patient, you know, do some more, more care, extra peri care. You could wash them up nicely, make that room neat, make those lines neat, you know, instead of sitting over by the nurse because she happened to sit by you and hearing that all night.
1: Yeah, and, like, just, like, to bounce off the whiny nurse, like, yeah, sometimes you want to, like, get stuff done, teamwork, and have time to spend with your patients. And I was just thinking about, like, there's a few times I I just pulled up a chair next to a patient on the bed, and I'm just hanging out with them. I'm just chatting with them and just not always assessing them, always, like, troubleshooting something. I'm just genuinely spending time because, like, even though we're taking care of, like, older population and patients in general, like, they're not stupid people. We're we're like emotional creatures. We know when a nurse is just there getting in, getting out, just doing their shit, and they're leaving, you know? When you're genuinely connecting with a patient, like, that means shit to them, you know? And sometimes it makes me feel good, and I learn stuff about them, and I learn things myself, because I love, it's brain food, man. Knowledge is brain food. Yeah, dude, like, these are,
0: <laughs> I like certification. Um, these, so, these, you know, these are, like, they're patients, they're people, they're not, it's not a client. Or you're just there for this this one thing, like you know, like a real estate agent comes and it's a real estate transaction, and then he leaves. Doesn't doesn't really matter. No, this is like you're not doing them. Just they're not here just for you to do like this one thing for them. They're not here for you to make them make them better. They are there generally in the hospital for you to make them better. But that in essence requires more than just medication, more than just monitoring their mental status, more than. More than monitoring their, their vitals, more than that. Like they're not just a number, they're a human. You know, they yeah. require conversation, they require some kind of emotion. And if you think when you do things with like emotion or you show emotion when you when you do things uh, with patients, like that goes a lot further than yeah. you just quietly going in saying just like the general conversation, like, hey, any pain? You ask me these three standardized questions that we ask people, you know, where where are you? You know, what's your date of birth? Uh, where are you, what's your date of birth, what year is it? Yeah, people like, don't feel human, man. Yeah, they need more than you should just assess mental status. Like, they want to converse, they want to talk. Like, they have a whole life outside of the hospital. not that's just them being this, like, weak, vulnerable individual that nobody wants and they're in a the hospital, you know?
1: And you also have those patients that maybe you want to start a conversation, you have time, and you know that you want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. They ask basic things. You kind of ask them questions to kind of like you give them opener statements so mm-hmm. they could kind of have some kind of time to talk and they just like are closed down. And you're like, okay, I, I respect that yeah. and I'm just gonna continue doing my job and I hope you're, you know, a quiet patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's how people are sometimes when left alone, you know, they go,
0: everybody goes through these things differently. So you yeah. gotta figure out your patient. That's why it's nice to have the same patients like for a nice stretch of days because then you could, you know, get to know each other. But then you do have those patients where you're just like, hey yeah, I had them yesterday, I don't want to deal with them today. Yeah,
1: you want you want to switch an assignment, and that's totally okay because mm-hmm. some patients just exhaust you and there's a heavy workload, you know? Yeah. Which brings to point number seven, patients that see the hospital as a hotel. Five stars, baby. Five times you come in, you I have five different tasks for you. Get me an ice pack. Oh, I want a cup of ice. Then you want something else. Oh, you know what? I think my, my pain's coming back. And you're just like running back and forth mm-hmm. with that one patient. And you know that sometimes they just take advantage of you, man. Yeah, that's annoying. But a good way to like take care of that is like write or write or tell
0: them when you're gonna be back. Like, hey, yeah, um, it's it's eight o'clock, you know, I'll be back here at like eight forty-five if you need anything else. I gotta ask my other patient. Like, tell that patient other things you have to do. Don't don't do a HIPAA violation where I have to go straight cat Susan George in room twenty-two oh three, so I'm not gonna be back here until forty five minutes. Don't go like that in depth. But like share some of the stuff you got to do. So like tell the patient, hey, else you need? And they say no. Be like, all right, I'll be back at about an hour, hour and a half. I got to make a few phone calls to the doctor. I got to read over some notes, and I got to check them out the patient. Then they're kind of more understanding of why you're not there every fucking two minutes.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, if you have a patient that's walking over you, like you got to stand up for yourself and not take it and say mm-hmm. something because – if you don't have standards for yourself, they're gonna walk over you. And there's those people that manipulate you as patients. You know, we all have it. Just just cut it short, be respectful, of course. Like I'm always courteous and show professionalism, but just be professional and just like be straightforward. Hey, I'm not gonna put up with this or hey, let's group things together. I have another patient that's sicker than you and they require care as well i can't be in this room the whole entire time even though i would like to if i can you know right knowing your your threshold and kind of setting up standards for yourself and and and
0: patient like there's patient expectations you know knowing that that's what what means to be professional because instead of you know you getting agitated each time this guy hits a call every five minutes and then you exploding on the patient it would be a lot easier for you to make these expectations clear
1: and these time frames you know i agree with you man Number eight, doctors that abbreviate everything, including their notes, and doctors that copy and paste their notes. In the abbreviations I've never really had any, any issue with, but the copy and pasting,
0: yeah, that's annoying. There are some doctors because you know there's a lot of specialties that, that go through and like the, the primary or the attending might not, you know, know events going on or he might not see the patient every day. It's more well, like the endocrine and cardiac and pulmonary doing their doing their doing their thing because they're the one leading the leading the treatment basically. So the attending is they're just basically as like a almost like a, like a third party. It's relaying information between between like the different either groups or relaying information between like the family and the patient or the patient and, and the nurse and like or the doctor or just explaining stuff. So basically, what I'm what I'm saying is that these people are copy and based paste notes because they're not the ones leading the care, so they're not. 100% sure what's going on exactly day by day. So you just copy and paste what they did f- yesterday onto today. So you're just like, so their notes are pretty much useless because you don't, if you're telling me you did the same thing you did yesterday and today, then what's the point of me looking at, at these notes every day? You know, so you're probably looking at somewhere else, at like different specialties because those usually are more specific. But yeah, copy and pasting tells us nothing and it's even more frustrating. And then doctors get upset. Why are you calling up? I did I explained it to the patient, I re-added this, but it's like doc, like how am I supposed to know you, you did all this if you just copy and pasted your notes? Yep. You know, it's kind of annoying and frustrating.
1: Yeah, that's and that's one thing with healthcare is communication. Things like that, like communication gets lost. The, the nurse had a busy report or a busy um, shift with another patient, they give you a shitty report, doctors copy and pasting notes, like you're just troubleshooting and figuring things out sometimes, and that's messed up. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, deliver great care to everybody and sometimes I can't because of the lack of communication with my colleagues. Yeah,
0: and it happens too. like, we as nurses, we kind of learn to deal with it and then that's where our troubleshooting and that's where our experience comes into play because if this issue has happened before, you know, you did not know how to fix it, you know, but then like, it's hard to establish establish any kind of change if you're just fixing these things. You
1: know? Yeah, and that's like, and then it, that adds on to burnout and everything else, you know, well, like it's it's one of those things that you just add fuel to the fire of freaking healthcare nursing man. Cheers to that. Yeah, yeah, guys, respect, dude. So number nine, so communication is very important,
0: but there's those times where you just can't seem to get out of the room. The patient just keeps talking. It's just it's not necessarily the conversation is is, is great. Not that you're having a good time or you're enjoying a conversation. It just it just keeps going on and on and on and on. It's kind of boring and it's kind of wasting your time because it has. No subject really, but guess what? You don't want to be rude, so you kind of go along with it, and then five minutes turn into fifteen, and you're just like, "Damn, I've been here for such a long time."
1: And sometimes you don't want to walk into the room because you have things to do, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes our callings what they do is you basically tell them, "Hey, um, Pete, I'm gonna go into Susie Q's room. If I don't get out in seven minutes, give me a buzz, man." Mm-hmm. And then I'll pick up the phone. I, I have to go. My patient's calling me. Yeah, you gotta leave the room. For it's sure. it, you know I'm it's I'm being straight up man it's just shit that happens because you have patients that want to consume your time and it's not for like nursing needs it's just to be taught they just need someone to listen that's what it is they need someone to listen to yeah or somebody's just confused
0: yep and you just keep going on and on oh, and yeah. on and on and like you know you're doing your stuff and like it's hard to get out of the room sometimes or if the family is there and then they're, they're talking and you know everyone's talking and they're all talking to you. And they're just like, you know, you've met, you've had those families that just keep going on and on and on. And then you do need a, a phone call buddy that'll call you on your phone to get you out of there. You know, because like some like I said, sometimes you think you're in there five minutes, I guess what's been 15, 20, and now you're just behind. Because on busy days, like you need to be in and out of these rooms sometimes. And it's just how it works. And you just got to go with it. And so number 10, guys, we have here, nurses that ignore alarms. that That's not too big of a deal because like if I'm so... It's you a big deal it. to me, man. It's a pet peeve. Yeah, like it's, I mean, it's it's a big deal when it happens consistently, but sometimes I just sit by, when I sit by the alarms and these nurses don't silence, there aren't alarms that are, are probably to be silenced. That's annoying. Yep. That's annoying. Or if a nurse is having like a red alarm, alarm go off and then they just like sit there, they're sitting and the red alarms going out, patients VTAC, and they look at the monitor and then they keep charting and they finish, finish charting, and then they go inside. Yeah. It's just like, like, damn, sometimes I'm in that room before they are. You know, and I'm sitting next to them.
1: Yeah. yeah, and, like, it's it sounds like a bad pet peeve, like, oh, it's a nurse that's not, like, silencing their alarms or they're not properly, like, gauging. Like, you know, if the heart rate's constantly in the 140s, crank it up to 160 where you know, oh, there's something going on if it's that high. Mm-hmm. Instead of let letting it ring every, like, 30 seconds and we have to silence it. Like, alarm fatigue is a real thing. We get exhausted. Imagine working three shifts in a row, 12 hours a day in the ICU when you have alarms going off around the clock. Like sometimes it just beeps for an hour and you just like have to like phase it out. Yeah, or, it, or it's beeping in the back on you have a conversation
0: with like your your coworker and it's just like, it's just beep, beep or it, you know, whatever your alarm is set, whatever alarm is set noises. Yeah. It's like stimulation or, fatigue, you know? Yeah, dude, it definitely is. Sometimes you go home and you hear that. You're laying down trying to fall asleep and all you hear is like the, the bells and it's like, are we here to vent? Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, dude.
1: And, you know, to be honest, man, if, when you work with nurses, you know that one nurse that, like, you're staring at them and they're not silencing it. You do it once. You do it twice. The third, third time, I'm going to silence it, but I'm going to walk with some sass, man. I'm going to just tell them, like, hey, come on, like, let's. let's yeah. I, I'll I just, just call you out on it. I just ask them, like, hey, can I silence your apnea alarm? Like, okay. I'm going to turn it off. And you're basically giving the cue of, hey, either turn it off, turn it up, or stay on top of your alarms because I yeah. don't want to hear it.
0: Yeah, basically, or of like, because there are some times where, like, I had a patient that had, like, a low potassium and was going in and out of VTAC, and, like, it was going out for a little bit, but I just had to get potassium up. So, like, they'd have, like, a few runs of, of VTAC, and then, you know, eventually they'll go back to sinus. VTAC, sinus. It was happening for, like, so 15 minutes, but it was only, like, five or, or, or six beats of VTAC, which isn't, isn't you know, Crazy amount, but it is six beats, and you know people were like, you know, like they're coming in out of the room. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, like this is like, this what's happening. It's gonna happen for another twenty minutes. Happened yesterday. fixed and when you felt, better those, those I can not turn off. Like, yeah. like I mean, technically I I have for like that gentleman I did because you could set the alarm to what it it'll only alarm if he has eight runs of vtech You know, then I could change that. So I did. I changed changed that because I knew if he had more than eight runs, then it's a little bit of a bigger issue. You know, because then what if he gets sustained? But like, like the six every few minutes weren't a big deal. So I just turned off the
1: six. I set it to eight. Yeah. Or just like, for example, um, some hospitals don't allow you to titrate it down. So like on a tele unit in Kaiser where I worked, you only could go down to like 45, Brady. And sometimes you have a patient that's just chilling in 39, 38. So that alarm is going off constantly. Mm. And, you know, the nurse can't do anything about it. So there's scenarios, of course, but just be mindful of alarm fatigue. And don't ignore your alarms or titrate it up and down so the pump doesn't constantly go off, or mm-hmm. the cardiac monitor or the mechanical ventilator, which is more respiratory, but sometimes we could play with that. So just be mindful, man. Less yeah, noise, true. the better The better and more focused I could be in delivering care. That's true. Hey guys, so that's about it. anything else? I also you want to wanted to say that speaking of alarms, you can't turn off um, arterial lines usually. Um, the blood pressure? The I blood think? pressure. You're not supposed to because. Um, An anterior line is basically directly into your artery mm-hmm. if a patient pulls it out and they're confused and your alarm is not going off they're mm-hmm. going to bleed out because someone has to apply pressure on their anterior line so it's a huge i used to do it i did not know man mm-hmm. no one told me about it and then i went and someone was like you're not supposed to do that and i got kind of like i was like you know like at first i was like like being like, oh, okay, like, why are you touching my shit, right? Type of thing. Like, I, like, I have always done it. and then I'm like, you know what? That actually makes sense. I'm never going to do that again. So that was my little lesson that really? I learned.
0: i never turn off my alarm alarms. I would adjust the settings, like I would raise the systolic to alarm if it's greater than like you know 160, and or if it's like lower than like 90 or lower than, than 80, then I was I would change those parameters. But I'll never turn off. I never turn off the alarm. I don't even know how to turn off the line alarm. To be honest.
1: You click on it, alarm off. Like, it's just that nice. easy, man. I'm if just kidding. You guys want to you know. turn off your airline? Just click it, alarm yeah, off. Yeah, no, man. A couple of nurses Yeah charged with blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, no way, no. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. So, today, what did we go over today? Today, we went over about that Longwood nursing home that got charged with, with fraud with Medicare 16. fraud $16.7 million. A lot of cash, you know, that could have been ours, but, you know, hey, tax breaks, right? Tax breaks, indeed. <laughs> and then we went over the pet peeves that nurses have. So pet peeves were letting tubing run dry. Super annoying. A 10 out of 10 pain skill with a smile on their face. Yep. Um, when you're about to get a report, nurse tells you that they haven't looked anything up. No notes, no information. Number four was having to take my blood pressures or orthostatics. Time with tubing, not hard, just pain in the ass. Tangled cords, cables and lines was number five. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Why coworkers, number six. Number seven, patients who see the hospital as a hotel. Always mm-hmm. five stars, man. This is this is a Hilton over here. Yeah. And then we have for number eight, doctor abbreviations and copying and pasting of physicians' notes, which is pointless and super non-informative. Right. They gotta get paid, man, you know? So, yep, they've been doing the same thing for the last eight days, huh, Doc? Yep. Same assessment, same same bottles, man. This guy's great great shape, great job. And then number nine was when you're trying to leave the room, but your patient just keep talking. Just keeps keeps going ring ring yeah you have your homeboy nurse call you you know hey hey, i gotta leave and number 10 was nurses that ignore alarms silence it peace out guys have a good day peace